0: Well, as our ushers continue to receive your cards back, I do hope you'll be able to join us on that day. Now, I have been trying to watch my diet lately and limit the intake of red meat and things of that nature, but I am going to make an exception on April 24th for Bill's Barbecue, and I I hope you're going to make that kind of uh, exception as well. Joe, thank you again for for sharing about your story and your, your testimony, your experiences um, in your life. And I think Joe really has a real feel for what it's like to be a part of a family that starts a new church uh, at Forest Hills in Raleigh, and that's what those 11 charter members experienced as well here at Oakmont. Well, let me ask you to take your Bibles. Hope you have your Bibles with you this morning. We're continuing to look at the Psalms, and we're going to look at Psalm 91 psalm 91 this morning psalm 91 is a hymn of trust it's a hymn of affirmation that god is going to be with us in our time of struggles and difficulties and it's kind of interesting and i'm not quite sure how scholars arrive at the point of being able to dissect what these psalms originally did and how they were used in the worship of ancient israel but we know that they were written as poems and also as hymns. So not only were they spoken, not only were words um, were these words set to music and they were sung, but we know that they were actually used in the worship experiences of the uh, people of Israel. So there are a lot of scholars who believe that this poem, this hymn, was divided into three sections. The first section would be verses 1 and 2. And the priest or the preacher or the one who was leading the worship would actually read or sing the first two verses as an affirmation that God is God, he's still on his throne, he's still running the show, and you can trust in him. Then verses 3 through 13 might have been sung by the choir, or maybe by the congregation, or maybe by both in an antiphonal fashion, back and forth. And verses 3 through 13 rehearse all of those circumstances and all of those places and all of those times when you can trust in God and that he's going to be with you. And then finally, verses 14 through 16 would be spoken or sung by a prophet, by a priest, by the preacher. And those last few verses would be spoken or sung as an affirmation that, again, God is going with you. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what comes your way. God is going to be with you. Okay? So that just kind of gives you a feel of how it might have been used in the worship patterns of ancient Israel. Now, let's read the psalm. We're going to read verses 1 through 2 and then skip down to verse So follow along with me and note in the first two verses that four different names are used of God. Four different names are used. Now you might say, well, why in the world would they use four different names? Well, don't you have different names for God? Don't you call him God sometimes? Don't you call him Lord sometimes? Don't you refer to him perhaps as the creator or the sustainer of the world? I even hear people on occasion refer to God as the man upstairs. You ever hear that? The man upstairs. So we have our different terminologies and words for God. Why shouldn't ancient Israel? Okay, let's read the text. He who dwells in the shelter of Elion, Maybe your translation says the most high. That's the first name. We'll rest in the shadow of Shaddai, the Almighty. That's the second name for God, El Yon and Shaddai. I will say of Yahweh, that's the third name. I will say of the Lord. And Yahweh was the special name that Israel had for God as he revealed himself, um, especially to Moses there at the burning bush. I will say of Yahweh, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress. And then the fourth name is Elohim, my God in whom I trust. Now, verse 3 starts all of these places and circumstances where we can trust that God is going to be with us. And let's pick up in verse 9. If you make Elian the Most High, your dwelling, even Yahweh, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life, will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, you know, there's some things that I don't particularly like in this world, and I'm going to tell you what two of them are. Hurricanes and tornadoes. How about you? You like to see a hurricane and a tornado coming in your direction? I remember a couple of years ago we were under a tornado watching warning here in eastern North Carolina certainly in Greenville all of the television stations were covering the uh, tornadoes that were kicking up all, up all over eastern North Carolina all of the meteorologists were live on the air and I remember uh, we were tuned in to Channel 9 WNCT TV here in Greenville and at one point I remember very distinct, distinctly one of the meteorologists saying live on the air, the Doppler radar is showing that a tornado is coming right by our television station right now. And so we are moving to our safe place. And suddenly you could hear their voice, but they had disappeared from the air. Now, my mind started churning as I was listening to that on several levels. Number one, we all are told that we need to have a safe place, right, in our homes. And they tell you to go to the lowest level of your house. If you have a basement, go to your basement. If you have a two-story house, go to the bottom floor. Go to an interior room, correct? Don't, don't be in a room that has glass. Go to a small closet, a bathroom, some other small room. Cover yourself protectively with cushions or blankets or something. So, you know, number one, my mind was thinking, hey, we need to get to a safe place. And number two, I was thinking, you know, I live within about a mile or two of WNCT Television Studios, and if they're getting to their safe place, maybe I better get to my safe place. So very quickly, we move to our safe place, and we have a little hall, a little closet off of our great room that's beneath our stairway. That's a little coat closet, and so that's where we move because the WNCT meteorologists and staff are moving to that same spot. Perhaps you've had some occasions like that where you've moved to your safe place. Well, this is what the psalmist. Is writing about this morning. The psalmist is inviting us to think about where is your safe and protected space and place and spot? Really, more specifically, who? Who is your safe place? Who is your protected space? that you go to when trouble and difficulty comes your way. After addressing God in the first two verses in four different ways in this psalm, the psalmist says in verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Notice the, the mys here. My God in whom I trust. Now, now you might be interested to note that in Hebrew, the word for refuge means going to a safe place, going to a protected spot or space. That's that's what it means in Hebrew. So just as I go, or you might go to your little safe interior room if a tornado or a hurricane is heading in our direction, so we head to a place, but it's not where we go. We we, we don't show up at this place place to find our protected spot. It's a who. We run and we go in the direction of God, who is our safe and protected space. But notice in the psalm that the psalmist doesn't believe that we ought to run to God, that we ought to ask for help, that we ought to pray for him, pray to him only when we're in trouble. And can we be honest for just a brief moment and transparent with each other and not have any pretenses? I mean, we're all God's people and we're all sinners that are grateful for His grace and His love in our life, so let's just be honest for a moment and admit how many times in our lives we typically take God for granted and we ignore Him until we need His help. Can we just be honest for a moment? And just go ahead and admit that most of our life, especially when we're moving through life and things are going well, we have learned to count on our resources. We've learned to count on our money. We've learned to count on our influence. We've learned to count on our abilities. We've learned to account on everything that we can do very well. And then we bump up against the brick wall. And we've come to some challenge, or some crisis, or some moment in our life where suddenly we realize the resources we bring are not sufficient for the challenge, and that's when we cry out for help. So let's just first of all admit that we do take take God for granted, and we ignore Him so often. But I want you to notice what the psalmist writes in verse one. He who dwells, hang on to that word for a moment, he who dwells in the shelter of Elion, the Most High, will abide in the shadow of Shaddai, of the Almighty. Now, I don't know about you, but the place where I dwell and abide is my house. And I'm especially glad to be there when I need some protection from the elements. If it's too hot or too cold, raining, snowing, a tornado or a hurricane. I'm really glad to have the protection of my house, but I've got to abide in it and I've got to stay in it to get some protection. There's only so much safety and so much protection that God can give you in your life unless you dwell in his shelter, unless you're willing to abide in his shadow. In other words, God can't be your refuge. He can't be your safe place or your safe space unless you're willing to hang out with him on a regular basis. In other words, God being your refuge and your safe place has something to do with whether you're going to commit to being his person on a full-time basis and not a part-time basis. A lot of us want to give him just 10% or 20% or 50%. Maybe we'll even move up to 75%. But part of the protected space that God gives us is when we make that commitment to dwell and abide in him on a full-time basis. Jesus wasn't too far away from that thought in John fifteen five, when he said to his disciples, I am the vine and you're the branches. And if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's understand, first of all, that God being our safe place, God being our protected space, our refuge, has something to do with whether or not we're willing to stay in the shelter of his wings, in the shadow of who he is on a full-time, regular, consistent basis. But notice that if you keep reading the psalm, this is kind of interesting. It can almost sound, as you read this psalm, as if you're willing to abide and to remain in God's presence all of the time, that it will keep away harm and danger and trouble and difficulty and crises out of your life. You've heard the old saying, an apple a day keeps the earth to Oakmont, come in please. An apple a day keeps the doctor, you know that one, the doctor away, right? It's almost like this this magical kind of um, thing, you know, incantation that we recite, this perfect prescription. We do what we're supposed to do, like eat an apple a day. And we keep the doctor away, i.e., we keep away all sickness and trouble and harm. And if you're not careful, you could almost read this psalm to think, hey, guess what? Love God, hang out in his presence, and all trouble will disappear. In other words, love God, but don't love God because you really love him. Love him for self-preservation purposes. Make sure you eat the apple a day. Make sure you love God every day, and it'll drive away all difficulty in your life. In fact, if you read verses 9 through 11, hear verses 9 through 11 one more time. If you make Elion, if you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, my safe place and protected space, listen to what it says then no harm will befall you. Did you hear that? No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. If you dwell in the shadow of Elion, then no disaster will harm you. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't completely square with my own personal experiences in life. And as your pastor, as I have been with you all of these years, I have to tell you that it doesn't square with what I've seen you having to deal with in your life at times either. The fact is, I know that so many of you make God your dwelling. I know for a fact that so many of you make God your refuge. He is your safe and protected space. And yet, guess what? Back during the Great Recession, there are a lot of you in your 401k or 401k 3B accounts, you lost money, and I mean big money. Or you might have lost your job. And you know what else? You or a loved one in your life was diagnosed with a life-changing illness. Or guess what else? I know for a fact that there are some in our congregation through the years who thought they married the love of their life and now they have or they are going through separation or divorce. And guess what else? You have had a family member who who has experienced the brokenness of mental illness or addictions. Or guess what else? You've had a conflict in your family, and now the reality is that you and or other family members don't speak to each other any longer. My guess is I hit everybody in this church with, with at least one of those statements I just made. The fact is an apple a day doesn't keep the doctor away, and the fact is dwelling in the shadow of Elian and being in the presence of Shaddai and saying that we trust in Yahweh God doesn't keep trouble away, does it? The fact that we're people of faith doesn't give us an immunity from difficult times in our lives because I know for a fact that you've had those difficult moments and I have too. But there is good news, friends. All is not lost. The psalmist's ultimate message in this text, in verses especially in verses 14 through 16, as it closes, the psalmist reminds us that in the midst of all of these difficult times, that God is with us. He promises His protection. He promises His presence. He promises His salvation. If you look at verse 15 and part of verse 16, the psalmist says, "This is God speaking." To his people. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him and show him my salvation. Folks, all of these promises are our promises, but they are contingent upon an openness and a willingness to dwell and abide in God's protected safe space on a full-time basis. And we do serve the God who promises to be our refuge, our safe place. And even when these difficult moments come, God is with us. Now, I don't know about you, but I often need an, an image, kind of a visual image in my life of what it might be like to dwell and abide in God's presence and have God to touch me and to promise me And to show me that he's going to be here with me. So I want to show you a brief video. And I want you to pay a special attention to little five-year-old Lizzie Myers and how she felt God's presence with her in the last week.
1: This is what Lizzie Myers' parents say they hope she remembers long after her world goes dark a hug, a blessing, and some kind words from Pope Francis. He blessed Elizabeth's eyes. He asked um, that we pray for him and said he will be praying for us. Doctors diagnosed the five-year-old with a rare genetic disease called Usher's syndrome. It is robbing her of her hearing and will eventually leave her blind. Once we got over the initial shock of all of that, we realized that we have to do as much as we can to let her see you know, uh, as many wonderful things as possible. She spent the last few days here playing hopscotch on the streets of Rome. The ruins and the art here were on the family's visual bucket list. The things mom and dad want to show her while she's still able to see. It started last year with a trip to an observatory near their Ohio home where Lizzie got a closer look at the moon and the stars. She doesn't yet know this will soon go away. She's a worrier, and I don't want her to sit and worry about it. I want her to live as normal of a life as she can, you know, now. There will come a time when we'll have to tell her. I dread that day. For now, she's just like any other child. Playing hide-and-seek with her sister, working on her coloring books and making new friends. Her newest friend just happens to be the Holy Father what Pope Francis has done for her, if there's any chance for a miracle, it will be there.
0: You know, God doesn't always take away our struggles, does he? He doesn't always take away our disappointments. He doesn't always remove the the job loss or the financial losses or the illnesses, although we should never, ever give up hope about a miracle. But he does promise to lean down, to touch our eyes, our head, our ears, our mouth, our arms, our chest, to enwrap us in his presence. And he reminds us, as the psalmist writes, that he will be with us, in times of trouble, and he will show us his salvation. Friends, we're going to sing the hymn this morning, God is Our Refuge and Strength, and the hymn will appear on the screen since it is not in your hymn today. I don't know what you are or have been going through in your personal life, but I know you're a human being. And I know that there are times when you feel as if you don't have a safe place. And I want to remind you this morning of who that safe and protected one is. He's the one who sent Jesus into the world, who gave himself up for us on that cross. And as we sing the hymn this morning, it could be that there's someone here who has never made that first-time decision to find your protected space and place In the presence of Jesus and maybe you want to come and receive him as your Lord and Savior maybe you've been through the Oakmont 101 class our membership class and you're ready to come now and be a part of the Oakmont Church family it could be that you want to go back to the prayer stations and to write a prayer or leave a prayer request for a friend family member yourself and you know our ministers meet every Monday morning at 930 and we bring those requests that you leave for us, and we present them before God in prayer. It may be that this is just a time that you needed to be reminded that amidst whatever struggle you're going through, that God really is your refuge, and he is there for you. So as we sing the hymn, I hope you'll feel the freedom to move, to respond, to give evidence to whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. So let's stand, and let's sing our hymn together. Friends, it's good to see you this morning and to be able to share in this time of worship together at Oakmont. We always welcome those who are tuning in to cable channel 7 or live streaming the 940 worship service. And if you are a first time returning guest, a long time member, when we walk into this room, we're God's people and we celebrate that together today. We have on the inside of each of the rows some burgundy fellowship pads, and we hope that you'll uh, sign in. It'll allow some names and faces to be matched up. If you are a first-time guest, we'd love to be able to send you some information about Oakmont and uh, put you on our newsletter mailing list. So again, welcome to all who are here today. One of the ways that we do worship God and that we serve him, and it is, uh, as Joe Edwards reminded us here just a few minutes ago, it is a spiritual practice. It is a spiritual habit, and that is to be a generous giver. So I want to ask our ushers to come now, and as they do, we'll continue to worship God. Ushers, you may come as we continue to worship God by the giving of his tithes and our offerings.